and the title of this morning's message is Old Me, New Me. Quote by Les Brown, this is the reason for the graveyard scene over here, and it says, The graveyard is the richest place on earth. Because it is here where you will find the hopes and the dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to step out and take that first step. Today we want to challenge you that if you haven't taken that first step to be all that you've called to be, make this morning your morning. We talked, had an amazing time last week. The Sunday after Easter was last week and we talked uh, with Pastor Rusty Rayleigh. He was here and he talked to us, told us how to get our assignment. If you haven't uh, heard that message or got that message, go to our blogs, go to our website. You can get that message and the title of it is Graveyard-My-Assignment. We want you to know what your specific assignment is from God right here during this time period of your life. Here on this earth the week before that we talked about the same power that raised jesus from the grave lives and dwells in us and that power is this power and it talks about it's god life to do it's a term called zoe poieo which means god life to do so he gave you god life to do your assignment and so today if we're going to have god life to do our assignment We've got to get an image change in our life and we've got to get rid of the old image of us and find the new image of us, the image that's created on the inside of us that God has created. And so I want to read you a term right quick and it's called self-concept. Self-concept. This is simply the overall impression you have of yourself as a human being. Your self-concept is the overall impression you have of yourself as a human being. Some of you have an inflated self-concept. Some of you may not have a self-concept you may not think of anything of yourself you may need to get a self-concept because you don't know what to think about yourself because one day you're one way and one day you're the other way but your self-concept is the overall image you have of yourself and now your self-concept is made up of three different parts your self-ideal the self-ideal is this it's the ideal you it's if you didn't have any holding, anything holding you back, it would be the ideal you. If education wasn't an issue, it would be the ideal you. If money wasn't an issue, it would be the ideal you. It would be the person that God has placed in your heart with no limitations. That is your self-ideal. And listen, this is who God wants you to become, is the self-ideal, the ideal you. How many of y'all have ever played golf? <laughs> All right, here's the thing about golf. You hate 18 holes of it and every shot on those 18 holes except for the one that you hit that's good right i always say this i had a good golf game if i hit one legit golf shot what that means is i actually know where it needs to go hit it where it needs to go and it lands where it needs to land and stay this stays there and if i can do one of those in a game that one legit ideal golf shot keeps me going back and back and back again and again and again and taking all my money more and more and more so I say that for this reason. There is the ideal you on the inside of you. And the thing about Joel T. Myers, if I can hit that ideal shot one time, it's a planned shot to make it go where it needs to go, land where it needs to land, and stay where it needs to stay. If I can do that one time, what keeps me from repeating that ideal shot over and over and over again? If you can be the ideal you for one hour of your life, the husband you've always dreamed about being, the wife you've always dreamed about being, the business person you've always dreamed about being, the believer, the Christian, the greater works generation that you've always believed in and been, if you can do that for one hour, what is constantly keeping us from duplicating that hour? To keep you at the ideal you, to operate at this high level of Christian efficiency that I believe we're supposed to operate at. Because I truly believe this, many people think that Jesus died so that we could go to church. Jesus did not die so we could go to church. Jesus died so we could go be the church and do greater works. Yeah. 
And so the ideal us has to get past this. We come to church. The ideal us has to get into this concept of we are the church and we're called to do greater works because we love our Savior Jesus Christ. Now that's the first one, part of your self-concept. It's your self-ideal. The second part, which is we're going to hit a lot on today, is your self-image. This is currently how you view yourself. You can currently tell how you view yourself by what you say about yourself and what your actions are. You can tell what your self-image is by what you say about yourself and what your actions are. Most Sunday mornings, or I won't say most Sunday mornings, some Sunday mornings I have left the church with a very bad self-image of myself, and I've said this, I will never preach again because that is the worst message I've ever done in my life. And it's those very worst messages that people say, oh, my life was forever changed. And so I begin to have a bad self-image of myself based on how I think of me. And so you in your life, your self-image is how you think of you at this current state in your life. And now your self-worth is this. Your self-worth is the significance or the importance you put on this life right here. Some of you have great self-worth in your appearance. You put a lot of time, energy, and focus and significance on the way you want to appear to people. That's a good thing and a bad thing, okay? Some of you put great significance on the way your physical body looks. Some of you put over-significance on it. Some of you put under-significance on it, but it's all part of how worthy you, you want to make you feel about your body. Some of you put great self-worth on your spiritual life. You spend a ton of time in the Word of God. You spend a ton of time in prayer, which is an amazing thing. But your self-worth is the amount of time or the significance or the importance you place on yourself, your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your body. Now, you can have a healthy spirit, but if you've got a poor soul, your mind and your will and your emotions are all messed up, you're not going to have a great self-worth. Okay, so it takes all three together, combining together to make your self-worth be what it needs to be for you to be the ideal you that you're called to be. Did you catch all that? That's a great preface to now we're going to get into the message, okay? So we want you to jump into what we're going to talk about today, and that is going to be your self-image, and that's what we're going to get into. Now there's a qualifying statement that i got to make. The Bible says in this in Psalm 37, 4, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways unto him, and he will surely do this. Okay, now here's the problem with that. The image uh, that you have in yourself about you, you need to make sure it's the image God has put in you about you. The image Joel has of himself on the inside of him is six foot two, jacked, about 220, awesome, dark complected. Okay, none of that's me. So I cannot say that that's the image that God's given me because it's just not going to happen. So I'm believing for a glorified body. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. So you've got to make sure as you line up with your self-image, the image that you have in your head, you've got to make sure it's the God image you have in your head, okay? It's got to be what God has put there. And now, the biggest issue we have with our self-ideal in the future you is not who that person is, okay? A lot of people are sitting here thinking, wow, the ideal me, that's so impossible to get to. No, that person is not impossible to get to. The biggest problem we have with the self-ideal, the ideal us, is the decisions we're currently making will not get us there. Okay, I'm gonna say that again. The problem with your self-ideal is not the self-ideal. It's the decisions you're making today that will never get you there. I like to say it like this. I would love to go to Fiji. Many people are trying to go to Fiji, but you're getting on a plane to the Arctic Circle. If you're with me, say I'm here. In this life, if you do not make decisions that run concurrent with the ideal you that you want to be, you'll never become this ideal you. If I want to hit the ideal golf shot over and over and over again, I must make the decision to go to the golf course over and over and over again and possibly pay somebody to train me because I've developed so many bad habits on my own that he would probably say, throw your clubs away. <laughs> it's time to start from square one. 
So if we keep making decisions that run contrary to the ideal us that we want to be, we can never expect to get there. So we need to start changing some of the decisions that we need to make to get us to where God has called us to be. And so, now if we're going to get to the ideal you, here's some of the changes that you have to make. Number one, goals. Everybody say goals. How many of you have them? How many of you have missed a New Year's thing and then you don't worry about them? Goals. Goals should be a filter for every decision that you make. How many of y'all have the goal of being debt-free? Or how many of y'all have the idea of being debt-free? See, there's a big difference. A lot of us have the idea of being debt-free. We would love to pay off all our debt. And everybody says, amen? amen? We would love to pay off all of our debt. The difference between an idea and a goal is this. An idea is something you would love. A goal is something you're working towards. And a goal is something that you filter every decision that you make through the process of that goal. If your goal is truly to be debt-free, you're not going to go buy a new car every other year. If your goal is to be debt-free, you're going to put the credit cards in the trash can after you've cut them up and canceled them. Identity theft is a real issue, I'm just saying. Don't go home and just throw your credit cards in the trash. Somebody will find them. The ideal you and you getting there, it's going to come because you set a certain standard of goals in place, not have ideas about what you would like to be. So when you set goals in place, they now become a filter for everything that you do in life. You need to write down as accurately as you can the ideal you. Write it down. They said in the book of Habakkuk 2 and, two and 4, or 2 verses 2 through 4, it says, write the vision down, make it plain so the herald can run with it, so you can run with it. Because here's the thing. When you begin to write it down, you begin to get a little bit more specific. When you begin to write it down, your brain really literally begins to engage instead of wander. When you begin to write it down, you get to begin to write down and see on paper, oh Lord Jesus, look how much work I got to do. This is why when you take the Dave Ramsey class, the first class, you're, called, you're told to write down all your debts so you see how much work you have to do. Okay, so write down visibly what you see yourself doing in the next five years Maybe you have the desire and I would love for everybody in the church to get this desire Damon is to go on a mission trip somewhere Whether it's across country across the world across the pond across wherever go on a mission trip somewhere Serve somebody else for a week, but you're never going to get there if you don't begin to write down What you see yourself doing and going on this mission trip? Why do I say that? Because until you begin to write it down, it's just an idea. It doesn't become a goal. It's just a thought. It doesn't become a standard. It's just something you would like to do, not something you're serious about doing. So you need to physically begin to write down the ideal you, how you see yourself in the next five years, ten years, where you personally want to be, where God has called you to be. And then here's the most important thing. You need to spend some face time. You need to spend some face time looking into the mirror. And you need to start talking to the ideal you as it were the ideal you, not the self-image or self-concept you have of yourself. Some of you need to take a long, hard look in the mirror, and as ugly as it may be, okay, that was, you can laugh at that, it was, all right, I know I'm not Jeff, I don't make the best jokes, okay, and as great as that picture may be, you need to spend a lot of face time and get familiar, real familiar with who you are, because here's the thing, when you're looking into the mirror, you're not looking in to see you, you're looking to see something deeper than you, you're looking to see him in you that you can call forth to get you to the ideal you. See, you're not looking for you. When I stare in the mirror, I hope I don't see a lot of Joel. Because <laughs> it's not pretty all the time. Not pretty a lot of the time. But when I look in there, I hope I see something a lot deeper and it gets me calling out the Jesus that I do see in me. Now here's the thing. Um, they got a picture they're going to throw up on the screen right now. And you'll laugh at it and you've all seen it. Right? I mean, look. What matters most is how you see yourself. What matters most is how you see yourself. It could be a kitten, but if you see a lion on the inside of you, Jesus can come out in that form. See, the truth of the matter is, all of us are this, but on the inside of us really lies that, the lion of the tribe of Judah that wants to come out and begin to roar over your situations. Amen? 
The truth of the matter is, we all really are weak and susceptible to failure and susceptible to problems. The truth is, or the facts are, is that we are human and in our human form we can fail. The truth of the matter is, with Jesus on the inside of us, greater works will we do than he did himself because he's going to the Father on our behalf and we're part of a greater works generation. Can I get an amen on that? So you need to get this image in your head. Some of you need to post it on Facebook every day. Some of you need to tweet yourself this picture and remind yourself, on the inside of me lies this. Because you're not looking in the mirror to see you, you're looking in the mirror to see Jesus on the inside of you. And that's Jesus. Jesus is the soon and coming king. And listen, he came the first time as a lamb, he's coming the second time as the lion. Right? He came the first time as son of God and man in human form. Second time he's coming back as king of kings, lord of lords. Amen? And he's not coming back by himself. Thank you, Jesus. So I need you to begin to look deep down inside you and begin to see the true Jesus on the inside of you. I'm going to read you a passage out of Judges chapter 6 of how a man named Gideon had the worst self-image of anybody in the Bible. And listen to God, how God began to draw the Christ, I'll say Christ, I know it's Old Testament, but began to draw through him, out of him, the very spirit of God that God saw on the inside of him, even in spite of his poor self-image, but God had to change some things. So Judges chapter number 6, we're going to kick it off in verse 11, and we're going to read about uh, five verses here. And the Bible says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak tree in Oreph that belonged to Joaz the Abyssalite, where the son of Gideon, now hear, hear this, was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites, and I could paraphrase in this, who he was fearfully and scared of and running like a chicken from. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. <laughs> Gideon looked around and said, Who are you talking to? <laughs> That was exactly his response. And you listen to Gideon's response. He says, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Basically, uh, Israel is being ransacked by the Midianites and just wreaking havoc all over the place. Where are all the wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? Now, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength that you have. Come on. He didn't say, go find another talent. He didn't say, go find a better ability. He said, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. I, am I not sending you? And then Gideon's reply, but Lord, <laughs> y'all need to quit the butts. But Lord, here he goes again. But Lord, Gideon asks, how can I save Israel? And then he goes down his lineage. My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the weakest in my family. Oh, I'm the weakest of the weakest, he said. And the Lord answered him, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. Now, there's a ton that I could go, I could go off on a three-hour message just with those five verses of Scripture. I'm not. I'm going to focus it down to the self-image part that we've got to get into so you'll be from the old you to the new you. Now, the self-image is currently how you view yourself and currently what you say about yourself and the current actions you have. Now, listen, our actions and our language will almost always act consistently with the image we have of ourselves. Our action and our language will almost always act consistently with the image we have of ourselves. People with a poor self-image walk like this. They sit like this. People with a strong, confident self-image stand like this. They will always, always, always act consistently with the image you have. I can tell a lot about a person just by the way they'll stand and talk to me. If you will not look at me in my eyes when you talk to me, you got a poor self-image. 
and you'll see me doing this. I want to look at you in your eyes. And some of you, you've got to watch, just watch your actions and you'll talk and you'll, you'll tell yourself exactly how your self-image is. Listen to how you talk about yourself. What you do, because the, what you say about yourself will tell you a lot about yourself. And listen, your actions will 100% of the time, 100% of the time line up with what you believe. If you believe in tithing, you're going to give on purpose and with the purpose at the end of this service. I'm just saying. If you say you believe in tithing but don't tithe, then you don't believe in tithing because your actions will always 100% of the time line up with what you believe. They'll do it. And so in your evaluating yourself, who really am I to get to this self-ideal, this ideal person that I want to be, watch your actions, watch your language, watch what you do when you interact with people, because that will tell you everything you need to know about yourself. And so in this, you got to begin to decipher what are the destructive habits that you have. What are the destructive habits that you have about your life? There are some people who have the very destructive habits of always saying when you do something wrong, dang, I'm just such a loser. Jeez, why can't I ever do anything right? Come on, man. Gosh, I'm so dumb. You notice I have kids four and five, so I go, I'm about to say stupid, and I automatically click, can't say that, <laughs> right? And what you say about yourself, some of you have very destructive habits. I guess I'll just always have to be like this. My granny was like this. My mom was like this, so it's just coming down the family line. That's a destructive habit. Listen, the words you say about yourself tell me everything I need to know about your self-image, what you have. Abusive language, that goes into some of what we were just talking about. Abusive language, not just to yourself, but to others. Some of you, when you lash out at other people, it's not them doing wrong, it's an internal issue with you. <laughs> you know, I find out when I get the maddest at my kids, it's when I see me in them. And it's the me I don't like in them that I'm getting mad about. <laughs> and I gotta correct myself, not them necessarily. Lord help them if they're like me. <laughs> so in this, watch your abusive language. And then you need to start seeing what godly disciplines you have. What godly disciplines do you have in your life that you do every day without a shadow of a doubt? Some of you have a very godly discipline of reading the Bible. That's going to change your self-image. Some of you have a poor godly discipline of fasting. Jesus didn't say if you fast. He said when you fast. It was a common practice that believers still should do today. Some of you have a, a, a not a very good godly discipline of a prayer life. Jesus didn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. See, a lot of times we read the Bible and when, God, when Jesus says when... Like it's a common practice, we read it as, if you do this, then this is how you do it. Jesus said, when you give, not if you give. So what godly disciplines do you have in your life? Your godly disciplines will begin to change who you truly are. And now, Rusty Rayleigh last week said an awesome part in the My Assignment message. He said, in the six keys to developing an obsession, point number four was this. Avoid any conversation with those who disrespect your assignment. Avoid any conversation with those who disrespect your assignment for, uh, um, 2 Timothy 2.16 says this, avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. Man, that's a good verse. Avoid worthless, foolish talk that only leads to more godless behavior. See, some of you, you always get in conversation with somebody, and this is a big problem with the, with the younger generation, because you don't avoid godless behavior, you go home and cut yourself. Some of you, you didn't avoid godless behavior when you were growing up, and now you're still having a drinking problem because of it. Some of you didn't avoid godless talk and worthless talk and godless behavior when you were growing up, and now you're still reaping the consequences of it, of it years later. But this is where we change everything, because even in the past life, God can make all things new. Amen? And so in this process, we're going from old me to new me. And so we got to grab that in our life. The new you is alive. Now listen, 2 Timothy 2.23 says again, and, and Paul says this to Timothy, Again, I say, do not get involved in foolish talk. Ignorant arguments that only start fights. Some of you, when you go home, just shut up. And avoid the conversations that you know are going to lead to a fight. If there's issues, address them, but avoid the conversations that are just going to make you get irked and get into an argument. 
Avoid those things. Avoid anything, avoid any conversation that will disrespect your assignment. Now here's the important part with Gideon. This includes the conversations you have with yourself. This includes the conversations you have with yourself. How many of y'all have ever wanted to lose weight in your life? I mean, come on. How many of y'all have ever wanted to gain weight in your life? (laughs) All right, I mean, come on. Now listen, whatever it is that you want to lose or you want to gain in your life, how many of you are ever trying to lose weight? You said this, I'll never lose all this weight. (laughs) That's common practice. Or if you're wanting to gain weight or gain muscle, I'll never be able to do that workout. (laughs) Said no one ever, (laughs) right? We'll go back to the losing weight part. I'll never lose all this weight. I'll never get it done. I'll never accomplish this assignment that my boss has told me to do. I'll never be able to. Listen, never should not be in a believer's vocabulary if you're in the will of God for your life. And so you must avoid conversations, even the conversations, because these are the most deadly, the ones you have with yourself in the secret, quiet place of your life, and that is when you lay down your head on your pillow at night and all these things are running through your head, or on your drive home, on your way home from work, and you're by yourself. All you do many times is just recite all the stuff that went on through the day. If my boss ever talks to me like that, I will get up and I will walk out. I will walk out of this place. I'm telling you, I'm out. If he ever talks to me like that, and you are people looking at you like, they're crazy in that car over there. You know, locking the doors, rolling up windows. How many of y'all ever had conversations like that with yourself on the way home? Come on, nobody, all right, thank you. Those are the most destructive conversations you can have because all you do is you're talking to yourself so you're speaking it and then you're hearing it and then you're speaking it again and you're hearing it. It's just a vicious cycle and you're literally recycling the junk from the day. And those worthless conversations that you have are the worst. Listen to the conversation Midian had, or or Gideon had. He's sitting there, and the Midianites are coming, and he was threshing wheat in a wine press. Good Lord, can you get a worse self-image than that? Why was he threshing wheat in a wine press? Because nobody would look for him threshing wheat during wheat season when it wasn't wine season. (laughs) So I'm going to go a place where nobody can find me, where nobody can see me, and I'm going to thresh my wheat in a wine press. (laughs) That just doesn't make sense. And so his self-image was horrible, and God comes to him, and he tells him how bad his self-image is. He says, listen, my family's the weakest in my clan, and I'm the weakest in my family. God, you surely got to choose another man, because when you said mighty warrior, I started looking around like somebody was here with me. (laughs) Some of you, God looks at you and says, man of God, and you turn around and see who he's talking to. He says, woman of God, and you should say, thank you, I receive that. (laughs) If you're a woman, amen, (laughs) right? (laughs) If you're a man... Thank you, mighty warrior. I'll receive that in Jesus' name. See, God called you worthy. God called you redeemed. God called you healed. God called you healthy. God called you walking in the promises. God's called you a bunch of amazing stuff, and you're looking around like, who's he talking to? You need to receive what God has said about you in your life. You need to begin to say what God has said about you in your life. Some of you are always walking around defeated, and it would irk you to no end to say, I'm more than a conqueror. Because you'd have to look around and say, who are you talking to? No, some of you need to wake up every day and start your day out with, I'm more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. If God is for me, who can be against me? I loved it yesterday, sitting out of my driveway, reading the Bible to my son, and we were talking about David and Goliath, and I said, you know, if God is for us, who can be against us? And he's like, that's right, Daddy, and gave me a high five. I was like, oh, come on now. We'll have service right here. And so you must begin to have different conversations with yourself, and when you start talking to yourself different, other people will start talking to you different. See, when you talk bad about yourself to other people, you're giving them permission to say the same thing. They're just agreeing with you. That's all they're doing is agreeing with what you said, so you can't get mad at them. You gave them the permission to. And some of you who always walk around, well, I'm just not that good at this, trying to be Mr. and Mrs. Humble. You need a good swift kick in the pants. 
Because that is not humble. That is reverse pride that you're trying to get a compliment by saying how worthless you are. And nothing drives God more crazy. Nothing can drive God crazy, okay? I believe nothing irks or grieves God more than that. A believer who says negative things or bad things about themselves, who he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and die for on the cross, and you're saying, I'm just not worth it. (laughs) He thought differently. He thought completely differently. He thought worthy enough of you to send his one and only son to the cross, and so we must begin to change our self-image. Now get this, your self-image is the thermostat to your life. It sets the upper limits and the lower limits on what you will achieve in your life. Your, therm- your self-image is the thermostat of your life. It sets the upper limits and the lower limits of what you'll as- achieve in your life. If you got a good self-image, it raises the temperature of your life and how high you can go in life. If you got a poor self-image, it- you set it as low as you want to go. Your self-image is the thermostat to your life. How you begin to think about you will dictate everything about your life. Now listen to this. This is why so many people fail when they, when, when they have the potential to achieve is because it right here is their worst enemy between their ears. Listen to what Gideon began to say about himself in this process. Gideon replied, but sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is really with us, <laughs> really, you're saying that? If the Lord is really with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that he did with our forefathers when they told us about? Did the Lord not bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the land of Midian. He wasn't in the land of Midian. Do you see how messed up his thinking was? He was in Israel, but he's calling it Midian's land. What? Are you kidding me? This is your life. Why are you letting somebody else run it? Come on. It's your life, but you let everybody else dictate what you do. It's your life. You just got to make the decision that if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to step out by faith and get it done. But you let everybody else tell you you can't. You're not good enough. You're not big enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. You're not smart enough. Whatever they say, who cares? They're not your thermostat. Why do you let people keep pushing your buttons on how high you can get and how low you can get? People push your buttons all day long. You just got to go back and readjust the setting. And when they start pushing it, you slap that hand and say, that's my thermostat. Get off that thing. Your kids ever gone to touch the thermostat in your house? I'm glad my kids aren't tall enough yet. They start pushing buttons they shouldn't be pushing. It ain't their thermostat to touch. It's not their thermostat to touch. In your life, you got to begin to understand God has given you the ability to make decisions. Now listen to this. Self-image is more important than talent, knowledge, skills, and education. Self-image is more important than talent, knowledge, skills, and education. This is why so many talented, smart, skilled, and education people have underachieved, while people with way less have overachieved and done amazing things. Because what you think in here dictates what you're able to do out there. You can be the smartest person in the world, but if you have a horrible self-image, most of them end up in depression and um, worse things. Okay? You can be the most talented person in the world, but without great self-image, you'll never make it to the NFL. Because it's all about what you think in here. And here's the problem that most great talented athletes have. is when they are in high school, everybody praises them so much and tells them how great they are, they begin to depend on other people's thoughts of them rather than what they know is deep inside themselves. This is why the best thing you can do for your kids is not just praise them, but instill confidence in them that they know who they are. So that day, when that day of adversity comes, not if it comes in their life, when that day of adversity comes in their life or in your life, it's not going to depend on somebody else from the outside in building you up, pumping you up, getting you to the next level. It's going to depend on you from the inside out looking into that mirror and say, I don't see this weak, broken person. I see this lion on the inside of me, and somehow he's going to come out. (laughs) And we must begin to operate like that. 
If you're going to accomplish your assignment, you will have adversity. I'm just going to tell you. If you've never had adversity, and you never have adversity in your Christian walk, are you walking the same direction with the devil? Swimming the same stream with him? If you're always complacent and never get out of your box and never do anything with the body of Christ, you'll never experience adversity. But when you step out to get debt-free, we've hit on this this morning, the car starts struggling, the water heater starts struggling, amen? And I'm not saying that you, if you have adversity, you're in the right either, okay? Some of you are have adversity in your life because you're still making dumb decisions. But if you'll change your self-image, you'll change your thermostat setting, you'll start making different decisions. And the Lord turned to him and said this, go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? But Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel when my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family? When, Midian fi when, when Gideon finally quit, quit arguing with God, when he finally quit arguing with God and received mighty warrior, Gideon went out and did amazing things. And I love the sacrifice that Gideon made because he made a sacrifice that he could never turn back from. <laughs> he had no plan B for his life when he stepped out in what God had called him to do. I want to make this with everybody's eyes closed just for a second. What is the image you have of yourself? The death of Jesus was for your bad self-image so it could die along with him. Just as the new life, the resurrected Jesus, is the new image you should have of yourself in Christ Jesus.